Drive time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic drive time. Now here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. On this Tuesday, October the 4th, 2022, on the feast day, of St. Francis of Assisi. Praise be to God. Here's a question. Is Catholic Ireland the canary in the mind, the proverbial canary in the mind for the rest of the Catholic world? We're going to ask that question to Tony Foy from Net Ministries in Ireland coming up in this hour, 35 past. Join us for that if you can. You know, also, big tech and global government, they're not even hiding it anymore. They've come out. They're teaming up. They are actively censoring all information, content, and the rest against anybody who might be a denier, a naysayer. We're going to talk about that and play a clip for you from the United Nations coming up at 15 past the hour. Brent Haynes is going to be our guest at the top of the next hour. Hopefully you can join us for that. He's going to be talking about the brand new U.S. Supreme Court session that kicked off yesterday. That's right. The team is back in town. Uh, Racial preferences, federal elections, the reach of federal environmental agencies are just some of the issues that they'll be dealing with to include uh, Title 230. Uh, hmm, Very curious about that one. Again, we'll be discussing that in this hour. New Hampshire, Rhode Island, Kentucky and Illinois are all deploying National Guard troops to the U.S.-Mexico border. Very interesting. North Korea fired a long-range ballistic missile, this time over Japan which left them in a crisis panic mode as sirens blasted all across the country. Keep them in your prayers. Experts project inflation will cost American families some $5,520 in 2022. Are you feeling the pinch? According to an EWTN poll, 81% of Catholic voters say that inflation has impacted them a great deal. According to that same real clear EWTN News opinion research poll, 52% of Catholic voters say they either disapprove of President Joe Biden's job performance. A majority of 58% feel that Biden should not run for a second term. Uh, Well, might be because of his ardent support for Planned Parenthood, which, by the way, is now advertising puberty blockers to minors and has rolled out the, uh, the RV life, apparently, and is offering mobile abortions on the borders of red states. Good morning to you, Rudy Carlos. Good morning, Joe. Wow, that was uh, very depressing. But in any case, (laughs) your name is Joseph. Uh, What are you, my mom? I need you to interpret a dream for me, a fever dream, if you will. Oh, I see, I see. Okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm walking down a forested path, following a priest, and Mm -hmm. we're processing into a garden of some sorts. Okay. And then we enter into a seminary chapel of sorts, and uh, Mm -hmm. instead of pews, there's. Mm auditorium seats okay and i turned to my wife and i said i don't think this is catholic and she <laughs> says oh honey it's a new right it's um, the episcopal catholic right i see and okay. they proceed to dance and uh, i left they, what does this mean joe <laughs> just it's uh we call that a tuesday in some churches especially oh. in germany oh. and other you know ireland nowadays oh so, oh okay yeah so uh, so uh you were just no famine an ordinary dream it's just very oh. normal. Nothing well. to see here. Move along. Move oh. along. Okay, then. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that was one of the things uh, I think it was David O'Grey was pointing out how the lack of kneelers uh, sort of shocked him a little bit in Germany. Really? Mm-hmm. 
Oh, man. Yeah, the good times. Good times. Hey, but the church didn't... Well, like they were kneeling oh, on the ground? Uh, probably not. But the church didn't always have kneelers, by the way. You, there yeah, was a day when there that. were no pews whatsoever, which is why the, most churches in Rome don't actually have pews. Mm-hmm. They have chairs that they bring out for, for big masses. But otherwise, all men stand equal on the same level. Huh. Interesting, huh? Go figure. Speaking of equality uh, and equity, Adrian Fonseca is here on the ones and twos. Good morning to you, Adrian. Howdy, howdy. Praise be to God. It's good to be here. Is it? It is. Praise be to God. Spider- it's a big no. day for you. It is a big day for me. St. Francis of Saint Assisi. Fran- oh, oh. <laughs> How are you marking this celebra- celebratory right. day in your life? Yes. I mean, uh, woof. you didn't wear the habit, saint I noticed. Francis of Assisi. Mm-hmm. That's the saint mm-hmm. of the day that I'm covering. Yeah, patron uh-huh. saint of uh, bird feeders. Uh-huh. Of zookeepers. A patron saint of blushing. Oh, blushing. Uh-huh. Patron saint of gardens. You know, I, I always dislike the images that they do. We have a great statue in, in our studio that Jesus Robles brought in of St. Francis of Assisi, and he looks manly. He does. Very manly. It, Whereas most yeah. of them, he's like, has mm-hmm. blush on, he yes. has little birdie in his hand. <laughs> yes, right. It's yes. like, this guy was burying the wounds of Christ, exactly. going up to the sultan and being like, you need to convert, please yeah. martyr me. And, and, uh, in, uh, and meanwhile, they're depicting him with a little birdie, and he's like, oh, it kills bird. me. Kills me. So we have, we also funny. have a wonderful image, a painting of St. Francis of Assisi receiving the stigmata in uh, Tim's office. Oh, yeah. It's uh, quite lovely. Hey, yeah. man, he just liked birding. He What's did. That? It's true. So, yeah, <laughs> today, it's tradition for a Dominican priest to go preach at a Franciscan church. What? So they that's the tradition. Such thing. And then on the You're feast of Saint that. Dominic, it's tradition for a Franciscan to come preach at a Dominican no, church. No, never the t- two mm-hmm. shall meet. Huh. Is that real? Uh, yeah, torn, torn in twain they are. All right. Well, let's pray uh, and ask uh, St. Francis to intercede for all of us today. We're going to uh, jump in. Do share us with a friend. We would be grateful. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother, To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Now your headlines with Rudy Carlos. Good morning. Thanks for tuning in to Catholic Drive Time. Today is Tuesday, October 4th, and here are your headlines this morning. Here's a little bit of good news. Epic Times reports power restored for over 2 million in Governor DeSantis' Florida. Prior to the storm, DeSantis assured that tens of thousands of linemen were ready to restore power when the inevitable occurred in the Sunshine State. The number of customers without power is now well under 1 million across the state, at roughly 600,000. And uh, while that figure may seem high, this is down exponentially from more than 3.5 million customers affected by Ian since it hit Florida's Gulf Coast on Wednesday. The Epic Times also reports Germans panic by electric heaters as authorities warn of winter gas shortage. German economy minister Robert Habeck told Deutschlandfunk Radio that the country is in an extremely tense situation when it comes to energy supply. Europe's biggest economy is struggling to cope with the surging gas and electricity costs caused by a collapse in Russian gas supplies to Europe, which Moscow has blamed on Western sanctions. Reason uh, reports, Supreme Court to hear two cases about social media moderation and liability for terrorism. The Supreme Court is back in session and has agreed to hear nine new cases. 
two of which will relate to the extent that online platforms can be held liable for terrorist recruitment efforts. One of the cases will directly address the extent of Section 230 protections of the Communications Decency Act of 1996. In Gonzalez v. Google, Reynaldo Gonzalez sued the company under a section of the Federal Anti-Terrorism Act, claiming that YouTube algorithms helped the Islamic State group radicalize and recruit terrorists through videos and that this led to the death of his daughter, Noemi, in an ISIS attack on a Parisian bistro in 2015. Gonzalez argues that Google, which owns Google, uh, YouTube now, could be held liable for damages under the act. And Life News reports Planned Parenthood launches abortion RV going to red state borders to kill babies. The Planned Parenthood abortion chain plans to start aborting unborn babies out of the back of an RV this fall traveling to the borders of pro-life states to do abortions and then leaving women to fend for themselves if something goes wrong. The specially made RV will travel around Illinois where abortions are legal to sell abortion drugs and eventually surgical abortions in the first trimester, according to a news report from NPR. And those are your headline news this morning. God love you. The saying of the day, well, I'll be honest. I forgot it was St. Francis of Assisi. wasn't intentional. Blessed Raymond of Capua, born in 1330 at Capua, Italy, the so-called second founder of the Dominican order, born at Capua, Italy in 1330. Raymond delle Vigne entered the Dominicans while attending the University of Bologna and subsequently held several posts, including prior of the Dominican house in Rome and lector in Florence and Siena. While at Siena, he made the acquaintance of St. Catherine of Siena, serving as her spiritual director from 1376 and becoming her closest advisor. Through the years, he was connected with most of Catherine's important undertakings, including the call for a crusade against the Turks, the negotiation of peace between the papacy and Florence, and the plea made to Pope Gregory of XI to depart Avignon and return to Rome. Raymond also worked to bring aid and comfort to the victims of a plague which struck Siena. And when he fell sick with the disease, Catherine nursed him back to health. Upon the start of the Great Western Schism in 1378, both Raymond and Catherine gave their support to Pope Urban VI against anti-Pope Clement VIII, or seventh rather. Raymond traveled to France in an unsuccessful bid to win the support of that kingdom. During the sojourn, he was nearly killed by an overzealous partisan of Clement VII. He continued to strive for a peaceful settlement of the crisis in the church even after Catherine's death in 1380, and he was elected Master General of the Dominicans. As head of the order, until his death in Nuremberg, he brought reforms to its house and demanded the strict adherence to the rules laid down by St. Dominic. He also wrote biographies of Catherine of Siena and St. Agnes of Montepulciano. And from a letter of Blessed Raymond, which I think can apply to St. Francis of Assisi, I do not want you to think that you are better than others, but rather lower than all. Esteem yourselves as weak and sickly, and that you have need of the help which others do not need. For if with meat and wine I love my God and my neighbor with an upright and generous heart, but you without these foods spurn your neighbor, your abstinence is no match for my fasting in the sight of God. I your weak and defenseless servant in the battle of life, beg for myself God's gift of the Holy Spirit, by whom alone I live, and whose name I am able to overcome all enemies. From a letter of Blessed Raymond to the Dominican Order. 
He died October 5th, 1399 in Nuremberg, Germany of natural causes and was beatified in 1899 by Pope Leo XIII. Blessed Raymond of Capua, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. Jesus entered a village where a woman whose name was Martha welcomed him. She had a sister named Mary who sat beside the Lord at his feet listening to him speak. Martha, burdened with much serving, came to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me by myself to do the serving? Tell her to help me. The Lord said in reply to her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and worried about many things. There is need of only one thing. Mary has chosen the better part, and it will not be taken from her. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. St. Augustine would say, Martha then, setting about and preparing to feed our Lord, was occupied in serving. But Mary, her sister, chose rather to be fed by the Lord. Martha was well engaged in ministering to the bodily wants or wishes of our Lord, as of one who was mortal. For Mary was absorbed in the sweetness of our Lord's words. Martha was preparing a feast for our Lord, in whose feast Mary was now rejoicing, while then she was listening with delight to those sweet words, and was feeding on them with the deepest affection. Our Lord was interrupted by her sister, close quote, St. Augustine. So there's the contrast here of looking at our Lord as just a good man, a holy prophet, a wise teacher, a mortal, versus the God-man, the second person of the Blessed Trinity, God incarnate, the Word taken upon flesh, right? I mean, there's a perspective here that we must have about who, in fact, our Lord is. St. Chrysostom would say, it is not said of Mary simply that she sat near Jesus, but at his feet to show her diligence, steadfastness, and zeal in hearing and the great reverence which she had for our Lord. Close quote, St. Chrysostom, pray for us. St. Ambrose would say, may you then, like Mary, be influenced by the desire of wisdom. For this is the greater, this the more perfect work. Nor let the care of ministering to others turn thy mind from the knowledge of the heavenly word, nor reprove or think indolent those whom thou uh, seest seeking after wisdom. Close quote, St. Ambrose makes it clear. We must, we must see our Lord for who he really is and not relegate him to this, this world of ours from our perspective, but see him through his perspective. Let's give him what is due to him and let us sit at his feet. We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. Have a drive time. is headed your way. Atheists assert the only real form of knowledge is scientific knowledge, thus excluding any sort of religious knowledge, whether philosophical or theological. Such a belief is called scientism, and it's unreasonable for two reasons. First, it's self-refuting. Its truth cannot be verified by the scientific method. It's a metaphysical proposition, and as such, is not scientific knowledge. But if science can't verify the truth of scientism, well then, scientism itself cannot be a legitimate form of knowledge in which case it's self-refuting. 
Moreover, scientism undermines science as a rational form of inquiry because it denies presupposed philosophical assumptions that are necessary to even do science, such as there's an external world outside the minds of scientists. So to reject God's existence on the grounds that it's not scientific knowledge is simply unreasonable. I'm Carlo Broussard with a ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. Hi, this is Terry Beatley. Come participate in the next National Men's March to Abolish Abortion and Rally for Personhood on Saturday, October 15th in Boston. Men, gather outside of the Planned Parenthood on Commonwealth at 1130 for the march. And everyone else, show up at the 2 p.m. rally outside of the State House, where I'll be speaking about how America's abortion king pushed the lie of abortion on the American people. For more information, go to themensmarch.com. be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. I think it was, was it last week, Rudy, that we saw that article that said there were more Catholics in Northern Ireland than Protestants these days? Yes, by I think 3% in the northern part. That's kind of bizarre. It is bizarre, isn't it? Really crazy. Did you know in the city of Dublin, uh, mass attendance is like less than 2%. I would believe it. Yeah, 60, I was surprised when I went there. 66% of Catholics voted for abortion there. So here's the question. Is Catholic Ireland the canary in the mine for the rest of the Catholic world? We're going to have that conversation with Tony Foy, Executive Director of Net Ministries in Ireland, coming up at 35 past this hour. Please do join us if you can. But uh, there are lots of stories in the news today that are of great concern to me, and I'm sure, I'm sure they are to you as well. And uh, I saw this this headline out of LifeSite News this morning. It says, uh, we own the science. UN Rep admits partnering with big tech to censor distorted information. Let me set this up for you. I want to play this clip uh, of this, this lady from the United Nations. But uh, let me give you some context and perspective to think about it as you hear it. Just imagine for a second if uh, the Catholics... Somehow uh, we're able to, uh, you know, work alongside of United Nations or, I don't know, some big global organization to be able to censor information. What if we said we own theology and therefore we want the whole world to only see it from our perspective? And we were able to partner with, like, say, Google or TikTok or Facebook or Twitter or YouTube to ensure that when every, anytime anybody ever tried to find information on Christianity, on theology, all they ever found was our perspective on that. Now, to be clear, to be fair, I do believe we own theology. Okay, I'm not going to hide behind my bias. I believe there is only one church that Christ founded, and he expects all men and women on planet Earth to become members of that body. But nonetheless, just imagine if we did that for a moment. Imagine if you could never find someone else's arguments, someone else's perspective. How would that make you feel? Would you be all right with that? Would you be okay? I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be. Because I am not afraid of the truth, because the truth is a person. It is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who is the truth, the way, and the life, according to, uh, you know, uh, John chapter 14. And uh, so we're not worried about it. The truth, shall set you, sa- the truth shall set you free. I'll get it out eventually. But imagine then if we took this same principle and applied it to other things, like, say, for instance, climate change. Adrian, would you play that clip? You know, we partnered with Google, for example. If you Google climate change you will, at the top of your search, you will get 
all kinds of UN resources. We started this partnership when we were shocked to see that when we Googled climate change, we were getting incredibly distorted uh, information right at the top. So we, we're becoming much more proactive. Um, you know, we own the science and we think that the world, you know, should know it. And, and the platforms themselves also do. Um, but again, it's, it's, it is, um, it's, it's a huge, huge challenge that I think all sectors of society need to be very active in. Imagine, you know? just imagine you are going to Google right now and uh, searching for climate change. And all you ever found was approved messaging by the United Nations and the World Economic Forum. Imagine that for a second. How good is that when we can't challenge the narrative at all? Here's a little bit from this article out of LifeSite. It says, during an anti-disinformation meeting by the World Economic Forum, the United Nations Undersecretary General for Global Communications, Melissa Fleming, said that, quote, we own the science, close quote, in reference to their information on climate change. The U.N. representative made the comment during a sustainable development impact meeting hosted by the World Economic Forum in New York from September the 19th through the 23rd, 2022. The session was entitled, quote, tackling disinformation, close quote. Fleming said the U.N. that you, that the U.N. partnered with big tech platforms specifically Google and TikTok, to spread their messages and the correct information regarding COVID, climate change, and the Ukraine war. Fleming explained in an interview during the session that Google prioritizes information from the UN in its uh, search results. Quote, we partnered with Google, close quote, she said, going on to say, for example, if you Google climate change, you will, at the top of your search, you will get all kinds of UN resources. Fleming stated that the U.N. started the partnership with Google because when we Google climate change, we were getting incredibly distorted information right at the top. To combat this distorted information, the U.N. was becoming much more proactive. You know, we own the science and we think that the world should know it. It's a huge challenge that I think all sectors of society need to be very active in. The U.N. representative continued. Fleming said the U.N. also, get this, this is fun. This is the fun part right here. Uh, Fleming said that the U.N. also uh, used social media personalities to push its messaging. Quote, another really key strategy that we had was to deploy influencers who were really keen, who have huge followings, who were really keen to help carry messages that were going to serve their communities, and they were much more trusted than the United Nations telling them something from New York City headquarters, close quote. Another UN project was called the Team Halo, in which they trained scientists around the world and some doctors on TikTok. Fleming explained that we had TikTok working with us and these scientists who had virtually no following to start with got verified ticks. They started bringing people into their labs, into their offices, and answering their questions, engaging with them. It really took off, and many of them became national media go-to advisors. Fleming described the social media companies to push their agenda as a layered deployment of ideas and tactics. The U.N. representative said that the new organizations, the news organizations and institutions have a continuous responsibility to inform and guide the public. 
Now, that's fascinating, don't you think? They have Google on their side. They have TikTok on their side and other social platforms. And they limit what you are able to discover through information online on a given subject. You're not allowed to see their detractors. Just imagine for a second if Thomas Aquinas, the great doctor, of the, uh, teacher of the church, decided he was not going to ever you know, consider the arguments of those that oppose the Catholic faith. And he only gave you one side. Would his work, the Summa Theologica, be as interesting as it has become? Would it be as long-lasting? I mean, to this day, it is still taught in at least some Catholic universities around the world. I mean, how long has it been now, Uh, Adrian? How many years? About 700 years. That's kind of a long time. 750. For someone's work to continuously be taught to the faithful, and to the future theologians? Why is that? Because Thomas was famous for understanding and making better arguments for his uh, detractors' opinions than they themselves could. He understood their arguments so well by studying them that he could explain them in clarity and then obviously prove why they were not correct. That's usually how it works, but not in our brave new world. We live in a brave new world where not only do they get to control the information, but also they get to train and build up people's influence on social media because they are in total lockstep and agreement with them. Uh, Rudy, uh, your experience on TikTok, you got verified <laughs> ticks, right? I mean, you were you blew up big, if I remember correctly. Oh, yeah, I blew up big, all right. And by that, I mean I didn't get anywhere on TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> by, by that, you mean. And um, I realized that certain things – were being filtered out. So if I posted something, I don't know, like something funny, it would actually get traction. Yeah. However, if I posted something that, for example, was critical of China, it would get almost zero. It was almost Nothing. like I never posted it. Yeah. It was like, um, yeah. it was very odd to me. And, yeah. And it was very, it, it became very quick to me that uh, I realized quickly is what I'm trying to say is that uh, this, this is totally gamified. Exactly. Totally gamified. Yeah. There's no way you can actually do anything on here. That's organic. I mean, it's not just TikTok, though. Uh, TikTok being communist China. Um, but have fun with that, by the way, if you're on TikTok. Uh, by even the way, on Even on Twitter, when I post something like uh, fluff, like I posted a picture of the change in the cathedral that I was uh, made Catholic in, and it got... It went viral. It got well over 2,000 likes and <laughs> tons of retweets and lots of comments. It was great. You know, praise be to God. But I posted a picture of my son altar serving once, and, and that also kind of went viral. And, and it's great. Praise be to God. But if I post anything of significance, of consequence, it almost gets nowhere super fast. Though, you know, Joe, I, the one thing, though, that I would push back a little bit on is the idea that the it's good to have certain people responding to the arguments that exist out there but i don't necessarily think that it's good for everyone to uh to like have access to all the bad uh information out there because it scandalizes people it leads people astray some people are very prone to believing um conspiracy theories for instance and things like that mm. and so that's why the church tended to keep those things away from your average person and reserved a lot of these heresies reading the the uh, quran reading protestant materials for uh religious and even among the religious it was only those religious who were 
educated enough to respond to them. Yeah. And so Robert Bellarmine was allowed to read them, St. Thomas Aquinas sure. was allowed to read them, that kind of thing. Yeah, but uh, under the best circumstances, we would be able to have an organization within the body of Christ that would regulate that information, whom we could trust, but we don't live in that day and age anymore. Right, right. And it seems, though, uh, that we have given over the gatekeepers uh, given over to the gatekeepers this information, and the gatekeepers are playing biased and favorites, and it's not in our favor, it's not in the favor of the church, and uh, and we are we are giving this ground over. And now banks, by the way, I saw yesterday, banks have uh, agreed to experiment with a social credit score. So all of your major banks now are on board with the social credit score, which means they're watching what you put on your Facebook feed, on your Twitter feed, uh, what videos you post on your YouTube account or your TikTok. And if you aren't in lockstep, then will you be able to get a bank account? Will you be able to get a loan? Can you get a credit card? I don't know. Those days are going to become more and more interesting, which is why I'm keenly interested in this case at the Supreme Court that you mentioned, uh, Rudy, uh, that's dealing with uh, the potential of overturning Section 230 legal protections for social platforms, because as of right now, they are being protected by Section 230, which means they're not that you can't sue social media platforms if they deplatform you, if they censor your voice like we have been. I mean, I had a, a video deleted by YouTube just, I think it was a week before last. Uh, anything on elections, anything on viruses, anything on Ukraine, all that stuff. They don't like it when you don't agree, especially climate change they uh, or uh, transgender issues, abortion. I mean, the list goes on and on. We're not allowed to have opposing opinions, and they delete our content, they strike our channels, and then they shadow ban us. And that is a real deal. So it'll be very interesting. Now, the uh, counter-argument to whether or not they ought to get rid of legal protections to these social platforms is uh, uh, according to net choices quote without moderation the internet will become a content cesspool filled with vile content of all sorts and making it easier for things like terrorists recruitment close quote net choice yeah maybe but then that's when subsidiarity comes in and we should be able to censor our own feeds for our own family and our own children and even for ourselves let us make the choice not you it hey, will be right back don't go anywhere Tony Foy's coming up. We're talking about Catholic Ireland. Don't go anywhere. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever heard someone say, the Catholic view of marriage may be an ideal, but it cannot be a reality? Well, G.K. Chesterton says, it is an ideal in a diseased society. It is a reality in a healthy society. For where it is real, it makes society healthy. We know we cannot make a perfectly healthy society because while we believe in marriage and the church, we also believe in something called the fall of man, which also has an effect on society. But the point is that we believe not just in an ideal, but in something practical. Practical in the sense that we want to make something. We want to create Christian families as opposed to those who are always ready to destroy the family, who give up on the ideal and give in to whatever is easiest at the moment. Want more than a minute? Chesterton.org. 
Hi, this is Sister Dee Byrne. Come participate in the next National Men's March to Abolish Abortion and Rally for Personhood on Saturday, October 15th in Boston. Men, gather outside of the Planned Parenthood on Commonwealth at 11.30 a.m. for the march. Everyone else, show up at the 2 p.m. rally outside of the State House, where I'll be speaking about the urgent need to be actively pro-life and pro-eternal life. For more information, go to themensmarch.com and please spread the word. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. Now more headlines. The Epic Times reports grocery store discounts becoming less frequent as inflation soars. Fruit producers generally support retailers with discounted prices, which allows grocery stores to offer lower prices to consumers, typically paying back 15 to 18 percent of costs to retailers, according to Jim Hurtel, an executive at a market research firm. However, as food producers deal with increased manufacturing costs, labor costs, and supply chain issues, drought and flooding and disease, they are forced to jack up their, their prices at a, and are at a reduced capacity to offer discounted prices. The burden of offering discounts to consumers is then shifted to grocery stores, which are already paying more to producers. CNA reports Federal Reserve announces social credit system to exercise uh, excuse me, this is not from CNA. Federal Reserve announces social credit system exercise to ensure banks comply with climate models. The Federal Reserve has taken a major step in the direction of facilitating an ESG, which is also known as an Environmental, Social and Governance compli- uh, Compliant Monetary Network, that effectively acts as a parallel system to that of the Chinese Communist Party's infamous social credit scoring system. Six of the nation's largest banks will participate in a pilot climate scenario analysis exercise designed to enhance the availability of supervisor, supervisors and firms to measure and manage climate-related financial risks. And CNA reports, this one is from CNA, House of Saints, visiting St. Therese of Lisieux's home has inspired conversions. Scenes from St. Therese of Lisieux's beloved spiritual autobiography, Story of a Soul, come alive when walking through the rooms of her childhood home in northern France. Sister Veronique, a Carmelite who assists visitors to St. Therese's childhood home, told CNA that visits to the house have resulted in many conversions. Praise be to God. She says, quote, People are very touched by the witness of the Martin family when they come into the house. They realize how much love was exchanged between the parents and the children, she said. In Therese's bedroom on the second floor of the house, one can stand in the spot where a statue of the Blessed Virgin Mary smiled at Therese when she experienced a miraculous healing on May 13, 1883. Therese recounted the event in Story of a Soul. She says, quote, I turned to my heavenly mother, begging her from the bottom of my heart to have pity on me. Suddenly, the statue seemed to come alive and grow beautiful with divine beauty that I shall never find words to describe. The expression of Our Lady's face was ineffably sweet, tender, and compassionate. But what touched me to the very depths of my soul was her gracious smile. Those were your headline news this morning. God love you. Praise be to God and all thanks. Thank you, Rudy, for keeping us up to date. Joining us now by Zoom chat is Tony Foy, Executive Director of Net Ministries in Ireland. Good morning to you, Tony. Good morning, Joe. Uh, uh, pleased to meet you. Yeah, praise be to God. It's good to meet you. Thank you for your time today. Uh, so much, so many of us here in uh, the West, in, the, in America in particular, uh, look to Ireland, Catholic Ireland, as sort of the proverbial canary in the mine for the Catholic world. And we're keenly interested on uh, on how the faith fares there because we 
we see that as a spoiler alert for 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 what would come for the rest of us. And uh, you know, I was looking at some of the statistics that I was trying to find on Catholic Ireland, and I didn't find anything more recent than I think it was 2016, 2017. So I don't know what they are at the moment, but it seems like uh, the Catholic faith is down into the 70s as far as percentage uh, for people who identify as Catholics there. I find that very interesting. That's down like 10 points in that census. But yet we saw an article recently that said there were uh, more people who identify as Catholic in Northern Ireland than Protestants I mean, what is going on in Ireland? What is the state of the church there, Tony Foy? Yes, uh, Joe, you've asked a lot of questions there, so I, I'll try and break <laughs> it down as best I can, okay? So you, you're talking about the 2016 faith practice statistics, and um, we don't have anything more up-to-date than then, but if it, it was if it was bad then, it's a lot worse now. And we have two different parts of Ireland, one which is governed by the UK and one which is governed by the Republic of Ireland government. And things are a lot worse in the Republic of Ireland in terms of faith. Uh, and, and that's both in terms of people who have a belief in God uh, and would identify as Catholic and those who then practice. So religious practice is really the key for what we would look at. And in 2016-17, that was around 30% in the South and in the north around 50%. Wow. Um yeah. That's pretty and depressing. It's worse than that now. <laughs> that's very it's depressing. It's worse than Tom. that now. And and and, uh, and 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 so it's it's uh you know it I it's better uh, I don't think you have to worry in the states, okay? And and uh, I actually think you've taken a different tack in the United States and there's a different attitude when it comes to the faith there. So traditionally People in the United States, myself and my wife lived there in Texas, and our experience of the of the faith was um, it was fairly weak when we were there in the early 1990s. And we came back to Ireland so that we could raise our kids in a place where we thought our kids would grow up in the faith. Now, how wrong we were in a sense. Now, we didn't know at that stage that we would be doing what we're doing now, which is running a Catholic mission, mm-hmm. uh, Net Ministries, which is international. But we run the Irish division of that, and, and and because of that, our kids have faith. But that that what we didn't know at the time that that's what we we would be doing. But the the church in America took a very proactive stance to the secular onslaught, in that the the lay the lady were educated. You you there was a root and branch. Uh, for, from what I see, anyway, there was a root and branch uh, approach to the to the seminaries where, you know, the corrupt seminaries were basically cleaned house. And, you know, it, it was, we have a problem, let's deal with it in typical American fashion. And, and you know, that's much to be applauded. In in the Irish context, you know, and I'm no expert on the European situation, nor am I in the Irish, but I'll give you my opinion anyway. And it is, it is we, we were facing the problem and we just, we were like a deer, in the headlights as a as a, an institutional church we didn't seem to know what to do with it mm. and with the result that we pretty much did very very little and then the the abuse scandals came and whatever voice that the hierarchical church had in ireland they were emasculated we were emasculated as a as a hierarchical church and and so the proclamation of the gospel became mute, muted because of that 
it, it, it looks like you, Ireland, and I say you, I don't mean you, I mean Ireland, yeah, the church in Ireland has lost the current generation for sure. 66% of Irish voters say, you said yes to the abortion on demand uh, uh, that came, I think it was that 2018, if I'm not 2018. Yeah, yeah. T- so 66% of Irish voters voted in favor of that. All three of your political parties uh, used to be pro-life. They're now all in favor of abortion and actually actively criticize pro-life views, it seems. Uh, that's a very staggering uh, data point, I would argue, for the future of Ireland. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, it's more nuanced than that in that we were brainwashed up to the, the election and we didn't have a an alter- like you have you have different news sources in the United States. You know, you have you have the left and you have the right and one is equally seen as equally valid. Uh, whereas here it's all left leaning. And so there was no counterbalance to the 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 woke onslaught and you know people were brainwashed into believing that abortion was healthcare. and there was a case of a a, a dentist who died on uh, while delivering a child and the media used that uh, her name was Savina Halapanaver and it was a terrible tragedy it was awful what actually happened but she died of sepsis and there were several actual uh, investigations into her death and they all concluded that she died of sepsis but the media continued to say that she died because abortion was not available. And two weeks before the the referendum, the, she was from India originally. The, the people who wanted to bring abortion into the country contacted her family and got her family in India to do a, a basically a, a call out to the Irish people to say, you've got to legalize abortion. It was mass propaganda at its worst. So, I, you know, while a third of the people voted against, I would say apart from that, there would have been more people who would have voted against. It may have still gone the way of, you know, legalizing abortion, but mm-hmm. it was it was very nuanced. And, and again, the media was owned by the pro-abortion side. Yeah, I had a... And it's, and it's still owned. Yeah, I had a friend who works for a... Uh, an organization that does marketing for Catholic organizations, and they were hired by the pro-life side there in Ireland to help get the word out and the truth out about abortion. Well, the opposing side discovered that their organization was an American-based organization, and they were tossed out of the country for uh, foreign interference in the election, even though they were just hired by the local organization. It seems rather one-sided for sure. Uh, But nonetheless, uh, we're about a minute from a break right now, so I would say that if if it's at all possible to turn the uh, the tide there, uh, then Catholic Ireland should be the ones to be able to uh, not have to wait 50 years to overturn an abortion law like America has. Do you think that's possible to turn it over quickly? Yeah, I, I actually think the overturning of Roe v. Wade has come at a very uh, key moment in the, uh, for, for the Irish uh, situation because it, it, it was, you know, we almost gave up hope, um, it, you know, in our country. And the fact that you guys have been able to overturn it, it has given us hope that we can do the same. Until we begin to own the media, or at least a portion of the media, I, I think we're on an uphill struggle. I, I would love to see, uh, you know, if somebody's interested out there and listening to this show who has the capability of actually getting behind a media source mm. in Ireland that will actually provide an alternative media to the Irish people. Um, it, it has become so, so woke. Hold that and, thought. And, 
Hold it. We'll pick up right there. Tony Foy is our guest. He's the executive director of Net Ministries in Ireland. Talking about Ireland and more of that coming up right after this very quick break. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question. Should pastors and churches place expectations and obligations on the congregation? Your average non-Catholic evangelical would say no, maybe even no way. It might be said, we do not need written order, discipline, or expectations. Those should derive from personal desire and from the Holy Spirit, not from a church. Or, each Christian's conscience should be sufficient for correction and discipline. Or, the Holy Spirit will personally lead each believer as to what church or to attend, and certainly how often they should go. So here's your three best friends tools for Catholic evangelism. Natural law says human society cannot be well-ordered nor prosperous unless it has legitimate authority to preserve its own institutions, the Bible. Secondly, the Bible, which says in multiple places such as Hebrews 13, 17, obey them that have the rule over you. And thirdly, the Catholic Church says when we are properly ordered, we will be capable of resisting conformity to the contemporary demands of unhealthy individualism. So obligations, much obliged. Men, it's time. Participate in the next National Men's March to Abolish Abortion and Rally for Personhood on Saturday, October 15th, 11.30 a.m. to 3.30 p.m. in Boston. There is a man connected to every abortion. Men are a big part of the problem, and it's time for all men to take responsibility and be a big part of the solution. All men of goodwill are invited to participate in the march, and everyone else is needed to show up for the rally beginning at 2 p.m. outside of the State House. For more information, go to themensmarch.com and spread the word. be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. Tony Foy is our guest, Executive Director of Net Ministries in Ireland. I'm always fascinated with the state of Ireland. It never ceases well, to amaze well, me. Good morning and welcome back. name like yours, I can understand why, Joe. Yeah, praise be to God. Yeah, if I wish my son was here, he'd, 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 he'd twist your ear for three hours on the history of the McLeans. You know, it would be a yeah. fun conversation. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, before the break, we're talking about media in Ireland uh, and uh, the lack of a balanced approach or having access to information other than what is state approved. And it's interesting because in the in the, one of the earlier segments of this show, I talked about how the U.N. has admitted to coordinating with, uh, you know, Alphabet Company, Google, YouTube, Twitter, TikTok, all of them to control the data that people get to consume. They don't get to just see information and process it they get what is the uh government approved information which means we live in difficult times for a lot of these uh faithful because and here's the follow-up to that that i wanted to bring up it seems to me from the outside looking in that the the people in ireland are really becoming atheists it's not as though they're like going off to become protestants or muslims or some other thing they're really just becoming agnostic and into atheism, which means they're apathetic and probably don't care all that much about truth or right and wrong. How do you see it, Tony Foy? Yeah, I, I would agree with you, Joe. I would go one further, and I would say, actually, we're becoming more than atheists. We're becoming pagans. Yikes. We're actually worshiping at the temple of other gods, and uh, they're, they're not good gods, you know, gods of our own uh, making, uh, just the same way as the golden calf, you know, and uh, radical secularism. Um, we, we're, we're, we're ideologically captured, in a sense, and we can't see it. We're so deep into it, and we don't have, you know, that's why Jordan Peterson is, is doing such a great and important job, 
because he's able to actually reach into the culture and actually say, hang on, guys, this doesn't make sense. And people are saying, they're, they're waking it up and saying, oh, 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 okay, tell us why, you know, tell us why. And he's able to articulate that in a very reasoned way. And it's great that his philosophy is actually in line with what the church actually teaches, you know, that he's all the things, you know, the, the, the way that he's telling us to live our lives is in line with how the church is telling us to live our lives. And the, I suppose the only thing is he, he hasn't yet made a personal commitment to follow Jesus Christ as his Lord. And that that's the missing link. But the second that he does that, he's probably lost his credibility for the audience that we're trying to reach here in that it's, it becomes a religious argument then mm-hmm. that's backed up by philosophy rather than a philosophical, philosophical argument that will lead to religion. Mr. Foy, uh, Rudy Carlos here. And, you know, I'm wondering, I want to, I want to ask you about net ministries. Um, so we're, we're, we've set up a picture here, kind of a bleak picture of the, the future of Ireland. And really this is not just Ireland. It's happening all over the world. But um, I'm wondering what is the, what is, in your experience working at, at Net Ministries with the youth, what is the one thing that you've seen that is a challenge to them that has led them away from the church? And uh, how how have you addressed that uh, through your ministry? Yeah, so the first question, uh, what has led them away from the church? Uh, they, they're, they're a, a, the young people at this stage are a generation removed from the church. It's people my age, who grew mm. up in faith, who just walked away. And uh, religious practice uh, dissipated. And most of my generation, I would say 95% of my generation, I'm in my 50s now, uh, no longer practice. Mm. Uh, and the figures that demonstrate the high practice at 30%, there are people in their 70s and 80s who are still going, who are still faithful, okay? Wow. So that, on to the next question, what is that what is bringing them back it's it's what we do is so small okay in the grand scheme of things and we're we're not interested in changing the politics of ireland we are interested in one soul at a time and Amen. what we do is we work with the the beautiful priests uh, and we work with them in the schools and parishes in which they work and we decide we essentially disciple uh young people in their own parish so young people who may go to church because their their parents are still faithful will work with them to try and help their faith and those who don't have any faith at all have had no faith experience who may be going to what is in effect a catholic school in inverted commas we because we have access to the catholic schools we invite young people from that environment into youth groups and we'll disciple them through the course of a year or two or three years however long we're in a parish setting mm. and that's what we're doing we're so small at, that it's uh but yet look at how the church started it started with 12 you know and and we're we're a lighthouse because of what we do uh to the church in ireland we're producing massive fruit the vocations to the priesthood and religious life here are incredible out of the mission and it's it's uh, even though the majority of our missionaries are from outside of Ireland, the majority of the vocations to the priesthood and religious life, not to mention the marriages, but the majority of the vocations to the priesthood and religious life are in the church in Ireland. And it's it's like God is about something. We're so small. I'm not saying we're humble. Uh, we are we are obviously humble, but 
realistically, we're really, really small. But yet, as vocations tank, and I mean really tank, we have in total in the National Seminary, we have in the 20s at all stages of uh, priestly formation. Wow. Around 20 for the whole country for diocesan priesthood. Net Ireland has 17. Oh, wow. Priesthood and religious life. Okay. Now, that's that's not for me to boast about what we're doing. We're as astounded by this as anybody. We're just doing the Catholic thing. We're, we, you know, we're faithful to the magisterium. We're, uh, we're actually proclaiming the gospel. So we're telling people about Jesus. We're telling young people in a way that they can actually understand. And our approach is very much uh, to the culture. But we're not diluting what we're what we're about at all. And God is blessing what we're doing in a way that we're we as a staff are standing back and saying, this is amazing. Thank you, God. We're just going to keep walking behind you. And and thank you for what you're doing, because we, we couldn't do what what you're doing. So what exactly does net ministries in Ireland do? I have a lot of friends in America who were in Net Ministries U.S., and they mostly were doing youth ministry. They were doing uh, retreats, that kind of thing, coming in and hosting retreats at different parishes. And I was uh, I had thought about joining Net Ministries in the U.S. when I was uh, out of high school. And the idea, though, was simply that, you know, there was most of the people you were preaching to or you were uh, missioning to were people who were already coming to church uh, so what exactly does Net Ministries in Ireland do that might be different or or maybe it just is uh, more effective? More effective. Um, well, I, I would say Net USA is very effective as well. Uh, so that, so that's uh, it's, it's not that we're any more effective than, than Net USA. It's incredibly uh, effective and incredibly fruitful in, in the USA, as is Net in, other, in the other countries that we are. But in terms of why is Net so effective in Ireland? You know, we've we've adapted to the Irish culture in that uh, we we have young people in Ireland are very very jaded. They have never been introduced to what the church actually teaches or what the church actually represents. So when they hear a young person saying that they believe in Jesus, that's the and they're not weird. You know, they're actually normal, and they might even be cool, and they might be into sports, and they might just do the normal things. But yet they have this faith that gives them something that the young person themselves doesn't actually have. That's what impacts the young people in Ireland. Mm. And we're, we've recognized in Ireland particularly that we're the, the, the most fruit is coming from our parish team. So where we actually stay in the parish for at least a year uh, and hopefully longer than that, we, we disciple the young people on an ongoing basis. So every missionary that comes to Ireland, they're giving, they're given, when they go to a parish, they're given two young people that they're to disciple for the year. And that is they pray for them, they look out for them, they meet with them, and, and they, they essentially, they hang out with them to the point where they'll eventually ask them, do you want to put Jesus and the church in the center of your life? Mm, mm. And, that, and I suppose that's the thing. It's, over, it's a longer term thing. And we also recognize that we're much, much smaller. Yeah, and, and and we're up against it in in the context of the church, you know, in in, in terms of uh, in terms of the population and the way the culture is here and all the rest. So we're we're just doing the thing. We're faithful to what God is asking us to do, and He is blessing it. 
Praise be to God. Just a couple of minutes left with Tony Foy here. Uh, so, what, okay, that's the youth. What about what about uh, your our generation? We're we're close to the same vintage here. Uh, what about this generation? Is there an organization or is there a group? Is there a movement among, especially uh, as I'm uh, so fond of men's ministry? Is there a, a men's movement there to retake, recapture, reevangelize Catholic Ireland? Uh, there's a there's a thing. Yes, there's lots of Really great green shoots. Uh, there's a rosary rally. So men are coming to say the rosary in different cities all around Ireland. And it's, it's, it's absolutely amazing that men are coming out. They're kneeling down. Uh, it's an awkward thing to do. The weather's not great here. Uh, but we're choosing to kneel down in front of the main street in whatever city it is Praise and say, yeah, I'm going to be, I, I'm going to look a bit foolish for the sake of the gospel. I'm going to kneel down at a time when we don't bow to anybody. And I'm going to kneel because God is God and I am not. And there's that. And there's so many other things. For example, in our own small way, something I'm organizing with a friend of mine, we're organizing a philosophy night this coming Friday night in, Bal- in Balbuffet in Donegal, where we're from. And the the response to that has been incredible, uh, like uh, uh, unbelievable. And it's, it's because the, the culture doesn't make sense. People want to make sense of it. And if, Wherever that sense comes from, if it's truth, it will ring out. And the church has the deposit of faith. We have the truth. And they want us to come at things, I think, from a philosophical perspective. And they they, they may get the religious argument, but the response from men, this is a men-only night this Friday night, the response from men has been incredible. So there's lots of green shoots, lots of really good things happening. They're small at this stage, but please pray for Ireland. We need all the prayers of the faithful American Catholics to pray for Ireland, for this beautiful country. Yeah, absolutely. I wish we had more time. We're we're just about out of time at this point. I also wanted to bring up, uh, we saw a, a video that resurfaced recently of a heavy criticism by a Catholic priest there for traditional, traditionally minded young priests. I mean, good grief. Why would you... Why would you discard something so beautiful, so amazing, that would have such a transformative effect on the people of Ireland? We'll have to just pray. Tony Foy, Executive Director, Net Ministries. God bless you. Thank you for your your time today and your insight into this this incredible topic. Thanks, Joe. God bless you. That's going to do it for hour number one. If you can join us in the second hour, Brent Haynes is going to be our guest. We're going to be talking about the U.S. Supreme Court and their session, some of the cases they're, they're tackling, plus the game show prizes and more. Go to grnonline.com. Hi, this is Father Stephen Imbarato. Join us in Boston for the next National Men's March to Abolish Abortion and Rally for Personhood on Saturday, October 15th. Men, we will gather outside to Planned Parenthood to begin the march, and then we're going to meet everyone else for a 2 p.m. rally outside of the State House, where I'll be speaking about constitutional personhood for the pre-born and where we need to go from here. For more information, go to themensmarch.com. Again, details, mensmarch.com. Join us and spread the word. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. In your view, was the Virgin Mary simply an obedient woman who willingly gave biological and maternal matter to Jesus and therefore has been given undue adoration? So here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, the Bible. The Virgin Mary is in the first book of the Bible, the last book of the Bible, all through the Gospels and close to 15 other typologies throughout Scripture. Secondly, the Ark of the Covenant. It was the most revered object in the history of the children of 
Israel. That ark carried the presence of God. Well, goodness, the Virgin Mary did not just carry the presence of God. She carried God himself. Thirdly, something to think on. If God is a father, he is, and we are known as his children, we are, and the body of Christ are called brothers and sisters, they are. Wouldn't God provide a mother for his church? He did. So here's an idea. Ask a wartime veteran who soldiers cry out for in a moment of fear. That's right, their mother. Mother Mary, pray for us. Hi, this is Pam Stenzel. Come participate in the next National Men's March to Abolish Abortion and Rally for Personhood on Saturday, October 15th in Boston. Men gather outside of the Planned Parenthood on Commonwealth at 11.30 a.m. for the march, and then everyone else show up at the 2 p.m. rally outside of the State House, where I'll be speaking about the need to value and protect every pre-born baby from fertilization. For more information, go to themensmarch.com and spread the word. Are you on the CDT Insider email list? Hi, Joe McLean here. And every week I send you cool stuff straight to your inbox, goodies that you're not going to want to miss. Go to grnonline.com forward slash CDT and get signed up today. from St. Edward Youth Group and you're listening to AM 1430 KSHJ Houston part of the Guadalupe Radio Network radio for your soul boy it seems like an uphill battle for Ireland it really does to me the stats just are not good they're not as bad though as like say French Ontario Canada (laughs) those stats they fell so fast, so hard after the Second Vatican Council. And they were like 98% Catholic. Now they're down to like the teens or something. Uh, that's, that's bad. That's really bad. Uh, versus uh, Ireland, I think, still has a chance, but they've got to get their act together. And they got to do it super fast. So yes. It makes me sad, you know, to think about what happened you know, in the past 50, 70 years, mm-hmm. you know, something happened where essentially people were already ready to, to leave, you know, they, were just, primed. they just needed a, a little excuse yeah. to, you know, to walk out. I, I've, I've often thought about that. And of course, here on the show, I've even read the stats from the last 50 years from Kara's website over in Georgetown University. Uh, their are stats in the church over the past 50 years in America in particular are horrible. Really, really bad. The only stat that's of any positive reference is permanent deacons, yeah. uh, which is why I don't talk a lot about permanent deacons. They don't need my help. They're doing just fine. Yeah, they're they're the only fine. ones in, the, in vocations that are doing okay. Everybody else is not doing good but them. Um, let that sink in, right? But now, when you add the world stats on top of that, you look at the world stats, everything looks a little better, still bad, still negative, still down, but not as bad as just the United States stats. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's because you get a lot of vocations out of places like Africa or Latin America, and it tends to sort of correct that negative curve somewhat. It's still bad, though. It's still like, I think, 12% over the past 50 years on a worldwide stage. It's when you dial into individual countries that you get really disgusted with just how bad things are. It's like the GDP report, right? Yeah. We are definitely in a recession. No, wait, hold on. That is not a proof talking point. <laughs> it's points. been the third, in it's third month in a row. <laughs> not, not a recession. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that doesn't mean anything. Right. So. Yeah. I mean, uh, it just, but Ireland, it's like 
It's the same reason why I want to talk about Catholic Spain. You know, my heart breaks for these countries that have had a reputation at times for being so fervent and zealous for the faith and have impacted other parts of the world because of their zealousness. Mm-hmm. Um, Isabel, Isabel refused to let the Reformation affect, you know, the bubbling up of what was become, what would become the Protestant Reformation. She refused to allow that to affect uh, Spain while she lived. Yeah. You know, like, praise be to God. Yeah. Uh, Warren Carroll's work on Isabella of Spain is, some would say, romanticized. I don't care. It's amazing. You ought to read it. <laughs> and if I become supreme ruler of the entire world, it'll become required reading hmm. uh, upon a pain of prison time, I, I imagine. Among what She'll other be a saint books? one day. Yeah. Her she, and Columbus will be canonized together. Yeah, Columbus Day, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, we've talked about him many times. But, uh, yeah, Catholic Ireland, we want to see a turnaround. But ultimately, I think if you can... I, to some degree, I feel like we're just beating around the bush and refusing to admit what is the elephant in the room. These people have become atheists. They are abandoning the, the faith in droves. And the only answer to that is not to just, you know, look like them, smell like them, talk like them in hopes that they'll like us. But it's to actually preach the good news to them mm-hmm. and and call them to repentance. I'm reminded of uh, I'm reminded of. Uh, uh, St. Peter being asked after the uh, the tongues of fire, you know, he goes out, he's on fire, right? He's he's filled, and he's like preaching it. The, you know, the guy that you guys crucified just days before, that guy. And they're like, well, what should we do to be saved? Repent and be baptized, all of you, for you and for your children. Like, that's the answer. Mm-hmm. That's what we need to be t- teaching and, and uh, telling people. One thing, Joe, is this um, idea of vocation. Mm-hmm. I think is very dangerous of how many of for souls because we've created a mystery around vocation and made it so it's like you have to have this interior calling you have to listen to the Holy Spirit moving you mm-hmm. and these kind of things but it's doesn't it's not that complicated and it's not that deep it's not uh, it's not as deep as people want to make it out to be mm-hmm. Father Butler a, uh, a a priest in the 20th century he was saying how the um, that we've turned vocations into Gnosticism. You have to have this secret knowledge to know you have a vocation. But in reality, God has given us all these counsels. Sell what you have and give it to the poor yeah. and come and follow me. Yeah. He gave us these counsels that anyone may take them up. And so it is said by everyone, including St. Thomas, that all you have to do to become a religious is have the will to become a religious and have the health to become a religious. And yeah. if you do, then it's a question of generosity. Mm-hmm. How generous do you want to be to our Lord to take yeah. up the the mantle and go and evangelize, go yeah. and, and become a priest, go become a religious, go pray for the church. And have the fortitude to see it through. Uh, praise be to God. Well, uh, let's switch gears here. Joining us right now by phone is uh, our good friend, attorney, and Catholic freedom fighter Brent Haynes. Good morning to you, Brent. Uh, good morning, Joe. Praise be to God. Education grows every time you introduce me. <laughs> <laughs> well, according to our contract, I'm expected to to increase your reputation every time I introduce you. So hopefully that hopefully I'm holding up my end of the bargain, sir. I appreciate that. <laughs> you know, the Supreme Court's back in session. I was talking a little bit uh, in the last hour about the Section 230 case. Uh, something I'm keenly interested now that uh, 
that uh, the UN and the World Economic Forum and Google have all admitted to cooperating to censoring information online. Very fascinating. But can you give us a review? What kinds of cases will they be taking up this session? Sure. The Supreme Court uh, started its October uh, 2022 term yesterday. Courts historically do business in a schedule that is called a term. A lot of courts uh, you know, have terms uh, still today, even though you couldn't tell since most courts are in business every day. The U.S. Supreme Court operates basically in one term, and it begins the first Monday of every October. Uh, they usually finish their active business toward the end of May or sometime in June. And, of course, any case that makes it to the Supreme Court is an important case. You know, they take a tiny fraction of all the cases that are that are sent to them uh, in hopes that they will hear them. The case you're referring to uh, does involve big tech and whether or not people can sue big tech. A lot of people become familiar with the phrase Section 230 because that's a provision in federal law that basically prevents people from suing YouTube or Google or, or Facebook, social media companies. Um, if something harmful happens because of something that was published on their websites. Um, now, in this case, though, uh, the Supreme Court is going to hear whether or not a lawsuit, a lawsuit should be allowed, but it involves a particular law. It involves a law that allows Americans to sue for uh, international acts of terrorism. In fact, it's called the Anti-Terrorism Act. And what happened well, first, we know how uh, people have become familiar with the phrase algorithm because th that's the new th th that's the new ruler in modern American uh, computer or world computer mm -hmm. and internet and technology dominated societies. What do the algorithms tell you? You know, even people who watch YouTube will will hear people who are trying to get people to watch their videos, such as Catholic Drive Time, maybe. <laughs> um, to uh, say, you know, click the like button because that will tell the algorithm to show you this again or that will help the algorithm. Well, those algorithms, of course, are designed to get people to watch YouTube more in the case of YouTube. And they channel content that they think the viewer wants to see. Well, what happened was YouTube's algorithms channeled ISIS Remember ISIS, mm -hmm. you know, the terror, the Muslim terrorist organization. It channeled ISIS videos to people who are interested in ISIS and Islamic terrorism. Uh, at least that's the claim. And uh, unfortunately, the, a family in the United States uh, lost a, a woman who was killed in Paris in an ISIS attack in 20 in, in an ISIS attack in uh, 2015. Uh, so. They filed suit under the Anti-Terrorism Act, and they said, you, they said YouTube is responsible because they channeled this content. They targeted this pro-terrorism, this terrorism recruitment content to this person or to these type of people, and then our loved one ended up getting killed. So it'll be interesting to see whether or not the court allows the suit to go through, but really it's a question of deciding which statute prevails. Mm -hmm. Does the immunity statute of Section 230 prevail and, and the Internet companies are still safe? Uh, and that's what the Ninth Circuit decided, or does the anti-terrorism statute prevail? Uh, the Ninth Circuit said, look, uh, th this Section 230 probably has is broader than Congress intended, 
but the court shouldn't fix that. Congress should fix that. And that's, that is actually good, uh, reasonable, balanced uh, judicial decision-making, which we should all want. We generally don't want activist courts. You know, we want courts to go by the letter of the law, and if there's something wrong with the law, uh, we want uh, we want uh, the, the legislature at the state level or Congress at the national level to fix that law. But that's the uh, Section 230 case, Joe. Yeah, I think we all agree. I think there should be some, you know, uh, managing, monitoring, or regulating of information on the Internet. I wouldn't want pornography to be so readily available, for instance. It's a, it's a moral evil that would harm the world and society. But yet, at the same time, as much as I don't want an activist uh, a court, uh, I don't want an activist social platform either. I don't want the gatekeepers to be deciding what they think is information that's not available to the to the world just because it doesn't agree with their politics, uh, their worldview, which is not Catholic. I wish we had the good old days of the Catholic Church, uh, the Holy Office, or some other dicastery at the Vatican uh, regulating this information and could trust it. But we don't live in those days uh, anymore, so it becomes incredibly difficult. I'd almost rather now have uh, the law of subsidiarity and regulate that for me and for my family uh, locally versus allow these big tech platforms to do all that in their worldview. It seems very troubling. But let me ask you this. With these ca- uh, cases that they're discussing or taking on, giving giving opportunity and, and court dates for, uh, are there... It, out of all of this, does anything stand out as far as like, because uh, like the last session, you had not one, but several big cases that came out that were decided upon in the last session. So is anything remotely as big? Uh, there is, you know, on the affirmative action front, there's a, there's another large case at the university level. Um, affirmative action has been a divisive, just contentious issue and a difficult issue for the courts to decide because it's so subjective uh, in, by its very nature to say we're going to apply one consideration of one race or one factor over another in order to achieve some sort of racial goal. Um, so uh, there is a lawsuit against Harvard University that has been brought on behalf of Asian American students or applicants because they have the goods on Harvard that Harvard is discriminating against Asian Americans uh, in order to favor other racial or ethnic groups, uh, not whites. Um, and the, what's, inter- what's interesting here is they've also brought up a case from the University of North Carolina on essentially the same issue. Now, why would they do two of those cases? Well, remember, we have a brand-new justice, uh, our, our new justice, uh, Ketanji Brown-Jackson, who, you know, as we remember, doesn't know what a woman is. And she sat on the board of Harvard University, so she is recused from the Harvard University case. So now you have this possible optic of the first black woman Supreme Court justice hearing affirmative action cases, but she can't vote on it. So the Supreme Court decided to hear another case from the University of North Carolina. So they will decide both of those cases, and that affirmative action case uh, could be very big. They could just finally say, "Look, this is it. This is enough. Uh, mm. You know, no more, no more race-based uh, admissions uh, manipulations, um, or at least overt." But it's a difficult issue. They could decide the case again on narrower, narrower grounds, which is what the courts do. Uh, but that's a big case. There's a case on elections, which a lot of listeners might be interested in, and that's from North Carolina. 
and it has to do with the role of legislatures in setting elections. And the big case, Joe, okay. again, is the Massachusetts case, John Brown. All right, we'll have to have you back to follow up on some of these cases, but we are out of time. Brent Haynes, thank you for your for your insight into that. It's time to play the game, though. If you'd like to be our contestant, never played before, it's fun. You could win. Call now, 877-757-9424. Fear and Trembling is up next. Trivia, games, prizes. It's happening next, 877-757-9424. My Protestant friends say the Catholic Church has added a lot of man-made traditions to the Word of God. Is that true? No, it's not true. Protestants go by the written Word of God alone or sacred scripture alone. Catholics go by the entire Word of God as it is found in sacred scripture and sacred tradition. All of the Word of God was originally passed down as oral tradition. Eventually, some of it was written down. This became sacred scripture or written tradition. However, scripture itself tells us that not all the things that Jesus said and did were written down. That's where sacred tradition comes in. Paul says this about tradition. 2 Thessalonians 2.15 So then, brethren, stand firm and hold to the traditions which you were taught by us, either by word of mouth or by letter. Traditions taught by word of mouth and traditions taught by letter. Sacred scripture and sacred tradition. In 1 Corinthians 11.2, Paul commends them for maintaining the traditions as he has delivered them. Sacred scripture and sacred tradition. 2 Timothy 2 verse 2. And what you have heard from me before many witnesses entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. This is an instance in scripture of Paul commanding the passing on of oral tradition. 1 Thessalonians 2 verse 13. And we also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God. They received as the word of God that which they heard, not simply that which they read in scripture. In other words, the Bible clearly supports the Catholic Church's teaching that the word of God is contained in both sacred scripture and sacred tradition. A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. The Catholic Trivia Game Show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. And now your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time and Fear and Trembling, a Catholic trivia game show with secrets and agendas. But you could win. If you just make a phone call, be our first caller to play our game at 877-757-9424. That phone number is 877-757-9424. First caller gets to play the game. If you've never played, it's fun. We encourage you. We always love hearing from first-time callers. Uh, If you've not played in a long time, say at least a month, we'll call back 877-757-9424. That phone number is 877 757-9424. 757-9424. Call right now. Adrian Fonseca standing by to take your call at 877-757-9424. Here is the deal, though. 
I do have three Catholic trivia questions sitting in front of me, but I do not ask the callers the questions. Uh, they don't need to know. They may not know any of these answers, and they can still win. That's what's fun about the game, uh, and then that's uh, that's always a good time. But we also like to have a laugh. We like to have a good time, a good chuckle, and the callers are actually amazing. They laugh with us, and we enjoy that most. And then, of course, we give out prizes, which means it's an incentive for everybody because you could uh, you could win, you could laugh, you could learn. There's always something for you, praise be to God. And for some, they get all three. But you need to call right now, 877-757-9424. 877-757-9424. The kicker is we don't ask the caller the question, which means we're asking Rudy and Adrian, one of which will give us a correct answer, the other will give us an incorrect answer, and the caller will then have 15 seconds to make a decision. Whom do they trust more, Rudy or Adrian? And every correct answer goes into the coffee cup of Divine Providence to win this week's prize. What could they win, Rudy? Praise be to God. Our sponsor this week is Divinia Water. Mm. Now, Divinia Water is the most distinguished bottled water on the market. It's free from microplastics, heavy metals, pharmaceuticals, and hundreds of other contaminants. Wow. Divinia is the only truly purified water brand to be bottled in glass for quality. Bottled in pristine Idaho on a bottling line, blessed by a Catholic priest, Divinia is ran by a Catholic, uh, run by a Catholic family dedicated to preserving God's natural surroundings mm. while giving you the best in clean, functional hydration. Mm. Divinia ships right to your door and offers convenient subscription options. And if you want to learn more about their water process, go to DiviniaWater.com. Thank you so much. The winner this week is going to win a 12-pack, so they're going to mail that right to your doorstep. Uh, praise be to God. Praise be yeah. to God. Thank you, Divinia Invite me over. Water. Uh, yeah. Thank you, DiviniaWater.com for generously giving us prizes to give away to our audience. That's DiviniaWater.com. All right. God is so very good. Let's go to the phones. Good morning to you, Henry. Good morning. Praise be to God, Henry. Where are you calling from? Washington, D.C. Washington, D.C. Wow, our nation's capital. Praise be to God. It's been a while since we've had a caller from that part of the world. Uh, where do you go to church, Henry? Go to St. Matthew's Cathedral. Oh, the cathedral downtown. Uh, of course, listening on WMET, uh, praise be to God. Uh, we're very happy you're on the show today, Henry. Do you do you understand the rules, sir? Never listen to Adrian. <laughs> what? <Amen>. <laughs> <laughs> what? I'm pretty sure that's a canon. Does he get a bonus uh, uh, entry into the cup for uh, Henry? Just for so you know, I have, I have my finger on the drop call button right now. Ouch! Just so you know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, praise be to God. You've already shown your revealed your trick card there, Henry. So we know that you're a master in all this. So we shall begin if you are okay with that. That sounds good. We will start with Rudy, as is our custom, wearing the uh, the Paisleys again. Classic. The classic Paisley tie. Bone uh, color. Yeah, I see it. Looks looks very very elegant on you, very stately. You. Uh, probably you. someone else's estate, but whatever. <laughs> That's true. Uh, good to see you, you again, Rudy. Good to see you, too. Are you ready, sir? I am. Are you sure? Yep. I'm ready. Okay, let's do this. Rudy, can you tell me what is the term... For a sincere sorrow for having offended God, hatred for the sins we have committed, with a firm resolve of sinning no more. What do we call that? Lord have mercy on us. That's called FOMO. FOMO? FOMO. Otherwise known as fear of missing out. Really? On eternal beatitude. 
Oh, I see. Yes. I see. FOMO. But we don't want to miss out on heaven, so we might as well be sorry for our sins. Exactly. Got it. Okay. Sounds reasonable. I know a lot of people fall in that category. Not that I'm looking at you for any particular reason. Oh. Just just because. You're just looking through me. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Uh, Let's see what Adrian has to say. Adrian, I know you have uh, lots of experience in in being uh, sincerely sorry. Uh, Could you help Mm. me understand this? What is the term for a sincere sorrow for having offended God, hatred for the sins we have committed, and a firm resolve of sinning no more? Well, I mean, as an expert on sin, I mean, (laughs) having committed a lot of it in my day. the in a in a PhD in sorrow. Oh, I am an expert on this particular topic. I see clearly. Yeah, and that would be contrition. 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 Okay. Contrition. Mm-hmm. You say mm-hmm. uh, you're not in the FOMO category. I well um, sometimes. All right, uh, brother Henry in Washington D.C. You got options. Uh, uh, Adrian says uh, a sincere sorrow for having offended God, hatred of sins we have committed, and a firm resolve to sin no more is called contrition, whereas Brother Rudy says it's FOMO, fear of missing out on heaven. Fifteen seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Henry, what say you? As much as it pains me, I go with Adrian. (laughs) (laughs) What? Henry. Wow. I... I don't even know if I should give him the the point. Amazing, oh, man. amazingly, was so masterful in your in your play, sir. Uh, congrats, hats off, congratulations. The good news is Officer Robles said mm-hmm. he's putting out a warrant for the arrest of this <laughs> this contestant for injuring and offending Adrian on no. air. No, does he have jurisdiction in D.C.? It, no, he doesn't. But that's another issue for another day. Contrition <laughs> is the correct answer. Although FOMO is not the right answer, it's also kind of true. It's kind of true. It's, <laughs> it's imperfect contrition. Imperfect, yeah. Would be no, that would be attrition. Attrition. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Would be imperfect contrition. Uh, fear of hell is legit, but not as good as just loving God for uh, the sake of loving God. All right, let's go to the second question. Uh, we're going to start with uh, Adrian on this one. Adrian, I don't know if you can get this one right, though. This Uh-oh. one's hard. Whew. I don't know. Um, hmm. I wish I could take a straw poll, see what people say here. But Adrian, let's start with you. What is the first day of Holy Week, sir? The first day of Holy Week. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's kind of a misnomer. People really? get confused. Yeah. Because you would think a Holy Week it would be seven days, you right? Think, but n- yeah. no. In fact, it starts no with Holy Thursday. What? Or Monday Thursday. Are you being as, serious? As known as okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. So it's not actually a whole week. Uh-huh. It's just like the last three days. Mm-hmm. But we call it Holy Week. Makes Monday, sense. Thursday, you say? Monday, Thursday. All right. Uh, Not Monday, Thursday. I got it. Got Monday, it. Uh, Monday. <laughs> Rudy, Rudy, yeah? can you tell me, what is the first day of Holy Week? So, a lot of people are confused about this. The beginning of the work week is not Monday. The it's beginning not. of the week, I should say, mm-hmm. minus the work. It's not Monday. It's no? Sunday. Really? So, Palm Sunday is Palm, what I'm going to say. Palm Sunday. Yes. God. Palm Sunday's your answer. Amen. All right. Glory. Uh, Henry, uh, what is the first day of Holy Week? Is it Palm Sunday, as Rudy is saying? Or is it Monday Thursday, as Brother Adrian wants us to believe? 15 seconds on the clock. Who was right? Who was wrong? Henry, at uh, the Cathedral in D.C., what say you? I can go with Rudy. Oh, are you sure? Well, survey says. <laughs> A little slow there, Adrian. Yeah, 
yeah, Rudy, Rudy Duh. is correct. Praise be to God. It is Palm Sunday and not Monday, Thursday. So tricky question. Uh, but let's see if we can't triple your chances, Henry. Mm, I'm going to say this is probably the easiest question we've ever asked ever. Yeah, yeah, this is actually a pretty easy question. Yeah, I agree with Joe. Should we? We should probably not even ask him. It's, what's the point? Just put, put him just in the Just give cup. it to him, right? Well, give, yeah. I think we should ask him. Oh, you want of how, to? Because of how mean he is. Oh, I he's, see. He's a, he's a big Why meanie. would you say that? I thought he's brilliant. He's, I, I, he's I clearly say, intelligent. I would say big He's probably head. tall and handsome. I mean, mm. I'm not seeing it. Not seeing I it. am. I got to be honest. But let's <laughs> do, well, we're going to go to Rudy. Rudy, can you tell me, may there be more than one collect per day? Uh, let me start over. May there be more than one collect per day in the mass? Absolutely, yes. I have personally witnessed this happen, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, you can have two. You you can have. Let's say for two example. Collects. Yeah, let's say for example, there were two uh, saints that particular day, uh-huh. or a saint in an event, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, you can okay. have two. Two collects, you yeah. say? Okay. At the discretion of the priest. Adrian, I'm really curious now what you'll say to this, but I could no you idea. tell me, may there be more than one collect per day in the mass? Absolutely not. No. You can only have one collect. Oh. And if there are multiple collects for that day, so there's multiple saints for that day, the priest has to choose one. Oh, it's like picking from among your children. Yeah. Like, how do you do that? Well, it's easy. Wow. You just say that one. Uh. I mean, my, my, <laughs> my parents always chose me. I'm All their right. favorite. So. All right, Henry, you got options. Can there be more than one collect per day in the Holy Mass? Adrian says no. Rudy says yes. 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? What say you, sir? Well, Rudy played for Notre Dame, but I'm going with Adrian. I don't go the other way. Go the other way. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Ah, oh. oh. yeah. Well, yeah. this um, is what happens. Well, because you got yeah. the last one wrong, all of the other entries have been discarded. <laughs> no, it's not true. You're in for two. God bless you, Henry. Thanks for having a laugh with us today. We're very grateful to you. Great Praise be to God. Have a great day, Henry. We're going to put you on hold. That's going to do it for the radio side of the show. Thank you all for joining us. We're very grateful to you. God bless you and God love you. Hopefully you can come back tomorrow. And uh, we're going to be talking with Paul Greeny uh, from Epic Times about the weaponization of the FBI and the global economy. All that and more coming up tomorrow. Do share us with a friend. We would be very, very grateful. God love you. God bless you. We'll see you in the after show. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. The Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. Welcome to the Holy Mass at Our Lady of Corpus Christi Chapel. Today we celebrate the memorial of St. Francis of Assisi. The intention for today's Mass is for all of our online viewers 
And for those joining us through Guadalupe Radio. All creatures of our God and King, lift up your voice and with us sing. Alleluia, Alleluia. The burning sun with golden beam, the silver moon with softer gleam. Oh, praise Him. Oh, praise Him. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And with your spirit. Brothers and sisters, let us call to mind our sins. And so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and in what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore I ask, Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Christ have mercy. Christ have mercy. Lord have mercy. Lord have mercy. Let us pray. O God, by whose gift St. Francis was conformed to Christ in poverty and humility, grant that by walking in Francis's footsteps, we may follow your Son, and through joyful charity come to be united with you. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. A reading from the letter of St. Paul to the Galatians. Brothers and sisters, you heard of my former way of life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God beyond measure and tried to destroy it, and progressed in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries among my race, since I was even more a zealot for my ancestral traditions. But when he who from my mother's womb had set me apart and called me through his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me so that I might proclaim him to the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult flesh and blood nor did I go up to Jerusalem, to those who were apostles before me. Rather, I went into Arabia and then returned to Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to confer with Cephas and remained with him for 15 days. But I did not see any other apostles, only James, the brother of the Lord. As to what I am writing to you, behold, before God, I am not lying. Then I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia, and I was known 
unknown personally to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only kept hearing that the one who once was persecuting us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. So they glorified God because of me. The word of the Lord. Guide me, Lord, along the everlasting way. Guide me, Lord, along the everlasting way. O Lord, you have probed me and you know me. You know when I sit and when I stand. You understand my thoughts from afar. My journeys and my rest you scrutinize. With all my ways you are familiar. Guide me, Lord, along the everlasting way. Truly you have formed my inmost being. You knit me in my mother's womb. I give you thanks that I am fearfully, wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. Guide me, Lord, along the everlasting way. My soul also you knew full well, nor was my frame unknown to you, when I was made in secret, when I was fashioned in the depths of the earth. Guide me, Lord, along the everlasting way. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. Alleluia. Alleluia, Alleluia. Blessed are those who hear the word of God and observe it. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus entered a village where a woman whose name was Martha welcomed him. She had a sister named Mary, who sat beside the Lord at his feet, listening to him speak. Martha, burdened with much serving, came to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me by myself to do the serving? Tell her to help me. The Lord said to her in reply, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and worried about many things. There is need of only one thing. Mary has chosen the better part, and it will not be taken from her. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. There was a philosopher once who kind of categorized human action into three general categories. and He said one category is when we make cho choices to do things which are subjectively satisfying. Something like going and having a nice ice cream cone of your favorite ice cream. It is subjectively satisfying experience for you. A level up from that, he said, are things that we do which are objectively good. I suppose if you're a student, doing your homework is something which is objectively good to be keeping up with your, with your lessons and probably more important than enjoying a scoop of ice cream. And the third category, he said, are things that we do which have transcendental value. And here we're talking about those experiences in life which take us outside, in a way, of our day-to-day -day life and really put us in contact with God. So an obvious example of a transcendental experience is coming to Mass. Every Mass is a transcendental experience because the one saving sacrifice of Jesus from 2,000 years ago is made present again upon the altar. In receiving the Holy Eucharist, we truly receive Jesus, body, blood, soul, and divinity. 
and this is by definition a transcendental experience. Suppose we can also point out that one has to bear in mind that our own intentionality and interior disposition also has a say into where these things get categorized. If one were to go to the Grand Canyon and sit there and contemplate the awesomeness and majesty of God who created such wonders, that can become a transcendental experience. And if you go to the Grand Canyon, look at your phone and walk away without anything happening, I suppose that wouldn't even be subjectively satisfying. So the interior disposition also enters into it. I think when we look at today's gospel of Martha and Mary and their kind of works in the presence of the Lord or their disposition in the presence of the Lord, we can see, you know, Martha is doing something objectively good. She is serving, she's a servant at heart, and that is wonderful and that is excellent. But Mary has chosen the better part because she recognizes who Jesus is and in sitting there at his feet and wanting to be beside him in a way if I can put words in her mind, she is experiencing a transcendental experience because she recognizes who Jesus is. Today we celebrate the uh, memorial of St. Francis of Assisi. And St. Francis is somebody who really walked away from any kind of subjectively satisfying material experiences that one might have in this world. He literally gave everything away because he wanted everything in his life to be reflective of his relationship with God and to be reflective of the fact that he is totally dependent upon God and everything that he receives in his life, even the food he eats, is a direct gift from his heavenly father who is caring after his beloved adopted son Francis. I suppose in some ways maybe we could say that Saint Francis was trying to make everything in his life to be a kind of transcendental encounter with God by experiencing his his providence at every moment in all the activities of his life. I think in doing so, uh, St. Francis also provides for us a beautiful model to remember that yes, it's beautiful and extremely important that we be able to, to be able to come to Mass, that we be able to pray, but also to remember that even some of the mundane things in life by our interior disposition and by our attitude of prayer and relationship toward God can become something which rises up to be something uh, even of a transcendental value by having merit in the order of our relationship with God. My brothers and sisters, we live in a world where sadly it seems like many are mostly interested just in pursuing subjectively satisfying experiences. And we are called to be people who are constantly seeking our relationship with God, who are constantly open to God's providence and action in our life. And therefore today, let us ask for the grace that we would always seek the Lord, that we would always allow him to find us in our day-to-day -day activity, and that we would be able to transform even the mundane things of our life into a beautiful prayer and expression of our relationship and openness to God at every moment. Amen. Trusting in our Father's love and mercy, let us bring our petitions before him. We pray for our Holy Father, Pope Francis, and for all bishops, for their physical and spiritual well-being. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for government leaders, that they would be inspired to enact laws which safeguard and promote the dignity of human life at every phase.
and laws which would never transgress the natural law of God. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for the sick and the suffering, that they would be given consolation in their faith and the courage and perseverance to unite their sufferings with Christ on the cross. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for our family, friends, benefactors, for those who have asked for our prayers, for those joining us online and through Guadalupe Radio Media, and for those enrolled in the Salt Mass Association. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for an increase in vocations to the sacred priesthood and religious life. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. And for those intentions that we hold in our heart. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. Merciful Father, we thank you for hearing our petitions and granting our prayers through Christ our Lord. Amen. Love divine, our love's excelling, joy of heaven to earth come down. Fix in us thy humble dwelling, all thy faithful mercies crown. Jesus, Thou art all compassion, pure, unbounded love Thou art. Visit us with Thy salvation, enter every trembling heart. Come, Almighty, to deliver, let us all thy grace receive. Suddenly return, and never, never more thy temples leave. Thee we would be always blessing, serve Thee as Thy hosts above. Pray and praise Thee without ceasing, glory in Thy perfect love. Pray, brothers and sisters, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. May the Lord accept the sacrifice at your hands, the praise and glory of his name, for our good and good of all his holy church. As we bring you these offerings, O Lord, we pray that we may, rightly, that we may be rightly disposed for the celebration of the mystery of the cross, which St. Francis so ardently embraced through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and just. It is truly right and just. Our duty and our salvation always and everywhere to give you thanks. 
Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and Eternal God, through Christ our Lord. For in the marvelous confession of your saints, you make your church fruitful with strength ever new, and offer us sure signs of your love, and that your saving mysteries may be fulfilled. Their great example lends us courage, their fervent prayer sustain us in all we do. And so, Lord, with all the angels and saints, we too give you thanks, as an exaltation we acclaim. Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Sabaoth, plenis uncelia terra, gloria tua, osana in excelsis, benedictus, qui venit in nomine domini, osana in You are indeed holy, O Lord, the fount of all holiness. Make holy, therefore, these gifts we pray, by sending down your Spirit upon them like the dewfall, so that they may become for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. At the time he was betrayed and entered willingly into his passion, he took bread and, giving thanks, broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it. For this is my body, which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice, and once more giving thanks, he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it. For this is the chalice of my blood the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. The mystery of faith, we proclaim your death, O Lord, and profess your resurrection until you come again. Therefore, as we celebrate the memorial of his death and resurrection, we offer you, Lord, the bread of life and the chalice of salvation, giving thanks that you have held us worthy to be in your presence and minister to you. Humbly we pray that partaking of the body and blood of Christ, we may be gathered into one by the Holy Spirit. Remember, Lord, your church spread throughout the world, and bring her to the fullness of charity, together with Francis our Pope and Michael our Bishop and all the clergy. Remember also our brothers and sisters who have fallen asleep in the hope of the resurrection, and all who have died in your mercy. Welcome them into the light of your face. Have mercy on us all, we pray, that with the blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, with blessed Joseph, her spouse, with the blessed apostles, and all the saints who have pleased you throughout the ages, we may merit to be co-heirs to eternal life, and may praise and glorify you 
through your Son, Jesus Christ. Through him and with him and in him, O God Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Amen. At the Savior's command, and formed by divine teaching, we dare to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy, we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress, as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church, and graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always. And with your spirit. Let us offer each other the sign of peace. peace. On you stay, qui tolis peccatamui, qui tolis peccatamui, Miserere nobis, Anius Dei, Quitolis peccatamuni, Dona nobis pacem. Behold the Lamb of God, behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word, and my soul shall be healed. An act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. Jesus, my Lord, 
my God, my all, how can I love thee as I ought? And how sing hope or thought? Sweet sacrament, we thee adore. Oh, make us love thee more and more. Oh, make us love thee more and more. Had I but Mary's sinless heart, with which to love thee, dearest King. Oh, with what bursts of fervent praise, thy goodness, Jesus, we thee adore. Oh, make us love thee more and more. Oh, make us love thee more and more. Let us pray. Grant us, we pray, O Lord, through these holy gifts which we have received, that imitating the charity and apostolic zeal of St. Francis, we may experience the effects of your love and spread them everywhere for the salvation of all, through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go and announce the gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. For all the saints who from their labors rest, who thee by faith be fully Alleluia. Thou wast their rock, their fortress, and their might. Thou, Lord, their captain, in the well-fought fight, Thou in the darkness drew their one true light. Prayer to St. Michael St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. 
prayer of deliverance. Almighty God and Father, we beg thee through the intercession and help of the archangels, St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel, for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with always, in the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Celebrating the culture of life. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Radio for your soul. 